Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Allows me to be in the same space with you, David Corey. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. This is the place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today we have David Corey from, uh, you're in British Columbia, correct? Correct, yes. And we're going to talk about your feelings and how that works with regards and in regards to the work that you do with emotional intelligence. How smart are you when it comes to your emotions? David is going to break it down into bite-sized pieces so we can all ingest it because it's very, very important. And that's where I'm at in the space of emotional intelligence and relationship capital. So let's welcome him to the edge. How are you, David Corey? I'm well. Thank you, April. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. So tell people how you show up in the world and what is emotional intelligence? Yeah, great questions, April. And uh, how I show up in the world is I just want to tell people more about emotional intelligence. And the reason that we're talking about emotional intelligence is that we now have just over three decades of really clear neuroscience research supporting the idea that emotions play a far bigger role in our behavior than we ever thought before. What happened was in 1990, Bell Laboratories invented the functional magnetic resonance imaging machine. When that happened, it was a game changer for neuroscience. Uh, we learned that every, every perception of through our five senses gets filtered through an emotional lens. Emotions are involved in everything we do. I know. We don't do anything without emotions. And we have not focused on teaching kids how to uh, understand their emotions, how to uh, appreciate their emotions, know what their emotions are telling them. Uh, emotions are data. And if we don't know how to read the data, we're not fully utilizing this wonderful capability that we have to navigate our, our environment and our lives. You know, and emotions work in conjunction with your feelings. How are they exactly. how, how do they run together side by side? Uh, emotions it, it, are the, it, emotion is the conceptual word for what we talk about when our bodies have a response to stimuli in our environment. Mm. Uh, feelings are the sensations. Uh, feelings have color, they have temperature, they have, uh, they have a, a tactile uh, nature to them. We, we all know what anger feels like, it, and, and we can describe that. Uh, but we can also talk about ang- the emotion of anger and its utilitarian purpose, to help to increase effort to achieve a goal, because anger comes about as a result of goal blockage. Uh, And so we just don't understand uh, what we need to understand about emotions. We have to get more intelligent about emotions. We've been focusing on reading, writing, arithmetic for far too long. Uh, Now it's time to go inward. Now it's time to really understand how we operate. uh, And the the symptoms of a lack of being intelligent about emotions abound. It's everything from misunderstanding to unresolved conflict to dysfunctional relationships, all the way to violence. Violence. Uh, and just imagine violence, April. Uh, we, we human beings, as smart as we think we are, we have run out of ideas and we resort to what animals resort to, violence, to solve problems with each other. Uh, and we can be better than that. And, and we, we should be. We can be better than that. Okay, but you know, let me throw another uh, curveball at you. 
Sure. Now we've got artificial intelligence. Yes. In fact, artificial intelligence, uh, the, the, the latest thing in artificial intelligence and the holy grail of emotional intelligence is to create a computer that can feel. And they can't do it yet. Uh, they know how, but they can't do it yet uh, because they don't have the computing power. Imagine that, April, that these little brains of ours, uh, and you refer to brains a lot in your... We're uh, big brains. <laughs> we're big okay. brains and we're not small-minded, David. We're, we we're, bi right we're big brains. We're not small-minded. But, right. but these brains of ours have more power than, uh, th than the, the computing power that we have at our disposal today. Uh, I think the answer might be in quantum computing. Uh, and uh, and artificial emotional intelligence is the holy grail uh, of artificial intelligence. There's lots of really cool companies doing really cool things. It is. Um, uh, and, and I've and, invested in some. But uh, I'm, excellent, excellent. But I'm scared of it. I'm really, you know, my, I was at my it, girlfriend's house. I was telling somebody I was at my girlfriend's house a few weeks ago in uh, Bel Air, and her refrigerator talks to you. Oh, we need milk. Uh, the temperature is blah blah blah. Thank you for hosting and drinking out of on the edge cup. Uh, but yeah, can you? I, I couldn't believe that. I was like, and then Siri. Siri is just the beginning of it. You can ask the computer a question and it can answer. But when it can um, really gauge that, and you know what? If we work side by side with this technology, I think that we don't have to be as intimidated. We're always afraid of the unknown. You, sh you shouldn't be afraid of the technology, April. You should be afraid of the people who are programming the technology because these people have not focused on the development of their emotional intelligence skills. They've focused on their coding skills. They focused on computer software engineering. That's where they've, they've put their attention and their focus, not on getting to know themselves and how they operate emotionally. And so they're programming the machines of the future uh, in a way that is not as emotionally intelligent as it could be. Wow, wow, that's heavy-duty stuff. So how do you uh, get people to buy into this in leadership roles and corporations? Because you know what? It's a lot of extra work to feel the feels. I want you to come in and do your job, do it good, make me some money, and then go home. And now i got to get all into your emotions and your feelings. How do you get the buy-in from corporations and companies? It is so easy, April, and the companies that have figured it out are the ones that we work with all over the world. The companies that are on the leading edge know that they get their best work out of their employees when they create psychologically safe work environments, mm -hmm. environments where people are unafraid to make their best contribution to, uh, to, um, uh, to try something, to innovate, to create. Uh, but the organizations that say, you got to do it the way we've always done it, those are the ones that lose out. Uh, and the ones that cling to the traditional notion of the hierarchy, those ones lose out. Because we don't like the hierarchy, April. Do you know no. how old, you know, how old, do you know how old we are when we do not, when we say we don't like to be told what to do? Uh, three. <laughs> It's called the terrible twos for wow. a reason, April. We don't like to be told what to do. We know by the age of two. And then, and then we go to work and our boss is telling us what to do. Uh, it's very draconian and traditional uh, and we have to do away with it. We have to learn how to partner with employees. We have to learn how to develop the skills uh, of relationships and communication and right. knowing and, and understanding ourselves and knowing what emotions we want other people to catch from us. Emotions are contagious, as you know. 
Latino April. Uh, and so we teach managers how to, um, uh, how to uh, demonstrate the, the emotions that they want their employees to catch from them uh, and, uh, and how they can support their employees to make their best contribution. Exactly. And, you know, it's really important that we change this thought process because this is where the millennials are. They, number one, they don't want to be in a cubicle. They want to be able to work from a little device anywhere in the world, in a tiny house, in an electric car, uh, and really engage in the environment. And they're just in a very futuristic 5G type of mindset. We better catch up because these are the young people that are going to be responsible for us as we age. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not that you can't be emotionally intelligent through a device. Uh, it's just that we need to learn how to be more uh, emotionally expressive, how to share more of what's going on beneath the surface, how to share more of what's less obvious to others so that we can be known because we can't be trusted unless we're known. Well, but how much do you want to expose to people? You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm a firm believer in boundaries. Love them. You know, yes, absolutely. We are too, April. Yes. But, you know, I have to engage and you have to open yourself up because life is a duality. You cannot live in this planet, in this world by yourself as an individual. How do you strike a balance? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and we totally uh, teach how to have boundaries in relationships as well uh, by being able to say, you know, how you can be treated and how, how you cannot be treated. Uh, we teach uh, some skills like assertiveness, which, uh, which is the boundary setting skill, uh, emotional skill. Uh, there are 15 emotional skills, all ha which have been uh, uh, derived by empirical research over three decades. Uh, and, um, uh, and we know how to systematically teach people about how to know and understand themselves, how to know and understand others, how to build relationships, how emotion combines with logic, uh, and how to manage stress. Uh, and unless we know those things, we're going to be less effective in the world. And yes, uh, we can be alone in the world, but it's so much better together. Alone, we're limited. Together, we can do anything. But we have to learn the skills of how to be together, or we're doomed to having dysfunctional relationships, not getting our needs met, being loving and generous, but not, not, not having having any boundaries and ending oh. up resentful, uh, all, all of which we have to learn how to do because our school systems don't focus on it, our professional schools don't focus on it, and so we need to teach the people who have learned engineering, who have learned law, who have learned medicine, who have learned nursing, who have learned uh, what you fill in the blank, whatever your professional role is, and teach them how their emotions, their own emotions operate and how other people's emotions operate so that we can be more intelligent about emotions, knowing that emotional intelligence underscores everything to do with organizational effectiveness, personal effectiveness, professional effectiveness, team effectiveness, leadership effectiveness. It's all emotional, April, and that's right. my message. And, you know, and that's very powerful because you're going to take all that and take it back home with you in your briefcase. Uh, Absolutely. And then how do you deal with that? Is it with alcohol? Is it with drugs? Is it with, um, you know, mental health challenges? Is it with abuse? Is there some uh, epigenetics? some intergenerational trauma that you've never dealt with. These things are very important. You don't have to take them back with you to work, but you have to be able to identify them, recognize them, and um, 
you know, work with them. This is the importance of togetherness, April. In fact, uh, um, it, it, one of the most stressful jobs there is is a first responder. Uh, and one of the things that they teach in first responder training is share it, don't wear it. Uh, yeah. And this is critical and important that we don't try to stuff our emotions down inside, that we don't try to deal with our emotions ourselves, because we can't. We need to share them with others, to, sh to build trusting relationships with others, uh, so that we can get that kind of support that we need. Because you're not alone in this world, and you're not the only one feeling the feels, brains. <laughs> uh, ab absolutely, we're April. All, we're all there for you, and if you allow yourself the ex you know, to expand and have the capacity, have the courage. It takes courage to pull back the layers of the onion and people re you know, reveal your stinky scent and make your eyes water. Uh, David, you were going to share something with, uh, with my group uh, that is very, very personal. And with all of the work that you've done and all the experience that you have and the millions of people, sometimes we miss the mark and maybe not even miss the mark. Maybe the mark is not uh, received by individuals that are the closest to us. Could you share a little bit about your story? Uh, absolutely, April. Uh, so uh, there I was teaching emotional intelligence skills to managers and organizations, thinking that I knew something about uh, about emotions. Uh, and uh, and the universe has an interesting way uh, of teaching us uh, what we need to learn, uh, April. Uh, and um, it, it was when my then 13-year-old son uh, developed a, um, uh, a, a, a an addiction issue, uh, and he became addicted to alcohol and drugs. Uh, and we spent 10 years trying to support him and help him and uh, in and out of treatment. Uh, and uh, we even moved cities to, uh, to go to a new um, a treatment center in a different city from where we lived. We gave up everything, uh, sold the family home uh, and, uh, and, and left. Uh, and um, uh, what, what the, the program that we ended up getting the most success from was a a family program, so the whole family had to enroll uh, in drug and alcohol treatment. It was in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, called the Alberta Adolescent Recovery Center. A very powerful program. There were there were um, uh, therapy sessions for uh, for fathers, for mothers, for parents together, for families together, and the kids were uh, six days in group sessions, uh, learning about the twelve steps AA, which are some of the most powerful lessons for people living with addiction to be able to live in recovery and be successful uh, and um, uh, and Ben made real friends uh, in that program and uh, uh, he fell in love in that program and he got his life back in that program and we we healed the relationships that we had uh, uh, terribly damaged beyond uh, recognition by, before we went into treatment together uh, and again I thought I knew something about emotions and, and uh, realized that I actually didn't uh, and that life has a way of bringing you to your knees uh, and um, uh, and we often don't learn about emotions until that happens to us mm -hmm. I can tell all of your listeners April that they will all if they have not already experienced pain beyond their wildest emotion beyond beyond their wildest imagination uh, and uh, and you don't learn about it until you're in it uh, right. and that's a shame it's a tragedy we again we but human beings are so smart and yet right, we don't people prepare people for pain but wait, they don't open that space. They teach you how to read. They teach you how to write. They how to count, you know, and, but they don't teach you how to manage your emotions. 
13. Uh, absolutely. So, 13 so, is, so is from, very tender. It's a from, very from tender age. 13 to 18, uh, from, let's see, from 13, uh, he, he graduated when he was, how old? He was 19 years old from the program, uh, and he uh, had a rocky road ahead of him. Living in recovery was a challenge for him. Uh, there were relapses and periods of sobriety, and uh, ultimately we lost him to a fentanyl overdose in 2015. And it once again, um, you know, uh, we had to learn about grief uh, and loss. Uh, and again, we don't learn about grief and loss uh, before we need to. Uh, and then when we need to, uh, that's when it's the hardest to learn about. It's the uh, wonderf wonderful book that uh, I'd highly recommend. It's, uh, it's Okay to Not Be Okay by Megan Devine. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and, and that, um, uh, you know, learning about grief is, uh, is rough. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, and yet we will probably all grieve at some point in our lives. And it's but about it learning a, to live with process and I was talking to Absolutely. my mentor the other day we have two purposes in this life one is to learn and one is to teach that's basically it mm -hmm. you know you can't take your things your possessions with you uh, your relationships you want to nurture them you don't want to destroy them there's a lot of people you know especially after COVID and being isolated as we say they've come up out the ground okay they have really revealed who they are and to recognize that, but wanting to deal with it and wanting to change it, that's an inside job, Brains. Mm -hmm. Do you want to continue to be an angry person? Do you want to continue to be sad? Do you want to continue to feel like you're not being heard? Or on the opposite side, are you the overachiever? Are you the big mouth? Are you the one that sucks all the air out of the room? You know, there's good and there's bad. Now, right. April, I, I, have a, I have a little joke that I tell in my presentations, which is a very simple emotional intelligence test for you is to decide whether you make a room better by entering it or leaving it. That's right. And that's absolutely right. But, you know, when you open and close that door, remember that you are the one ultimately that's walking through it. You have to deal with this. Um, I know that uh, what has this all taught you about you, not the, you know, what you're teaching other people. But what has this taught you about yourself, your self-evaluation? Yeah, uh, good question, April. I had to use everything that uh, that I'd been teaching others, uh, and I had to use it on myself. I had to uh, to really take a look at myself. Uh, I had to really uh, find a way to talk about what was going on inside me. And and I was raised, and and some others uh, of your listeners will relate to this idea, April. I was raised in a in a family that that didn't honor feelings. That that. Okay. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about our feelings. If you were, uh, if you were angry or um, uh, or sad, you just uh, pretended like everything was fine, uh, and uh, and you better show up with a smile on your face. And that's what I learned growing up. And it was uh, it was very confusing for me uh, because I had all these emotions and I didn't know what to do with them. And so I had to learn uh, how to express my emotion, how to be in touch with my emotions first, how to describe them, uh, and and we call that emotional self awareness. 
awareness. It's, it's a, one of the 15 emotional competencies that we teach in the empirical model that we use uh, to teach managers in a structured way how to be more intelligent about emotions and how to be better leaders and better team players and better and you at being a man, service. you know, that, that's, a, that's an extra layer of responsibility. Absolutely, April. One of the first things we men learn is big boys don't cry. So you'll want to be a big boy. So you'll stuff those feelings down. You learn that to, to, be, to cry or to be vulnerable uh, is to be seen as weak uh, and less manly. And we have to challenge all those traditional notions and say, hey, we human beings, we are emotional creatures. Uh, we are emotional beings. Uh, we, we, we feel all the feelings, the whole spectrum. Uh, and we have to get better uh, at uh, being able to feel them and not judge them because they're just feelings after all. Uh, and then be able to share those with others and describe them and talk about what it's like to, to lose a child, what it's like to lose a spouse, what it's like to, uh, to have a terminal or long-term chronic condition. Uh, we have to learn to talk about all those things, what it's like to feel different, uh, what it's like to, uh, uh, to, to be a, um, a minority uh, in a majority group. All of those things, but we have to learn to talk to, about these things. We have to learn to talk about them, but we also need to be heard. Absolutely, absolutely, okay. April. And, so I, there's, I and there's there's two parts to it. There's assertiveness, which is making sure that you tell others what you need to tell them. But there's also empathy, and they go absolutely. hand in glove. Absolutely. That we don't do one without the other. Absolutely. We we yes. have to help each other to feel heard and understood. Uh, as you may yes. know, April, up in our uh, in our country, we're going through uh, truth and reconciliation with our First Nations peoples, and uh, and we and they don't feel heard and understood yet, uh, and. And so we have to get better at empathy. Uh, as you may know, the Pope is coming to offer a papal apology to the, to the First Nations of Canada for what the residential schools put them through. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's all part and parcel of really hearing what's, uh, what they're saying to us and, uh, right. and really listening uh, and having empathy for their situation right. and circumstances, which we haven't ever done before. Okay, so you speak, you're heard, and now you need to act. You know, all this, all that jaw jacking is not impressive. You, know, you, you can stand up there and you can talk, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to see the Pope, so I'll have a, a talk with him when I go to Italy. Uh, you know, but it's important that you are not dumbed down, that you're not deafened, even with your relationship with your spouse. How does that work in your relationship with your wife, David? Because it works really good with me and Mr. Magnificent. Thirty-seven years. 38 years. Uh, but there's still, you know, there's still some things that uh, raise the hair on the back of my neck. And he just deals with it a different way. How do you deal with that in a relationship of uh, husband and yeah, wife? Yeah, yeah. Good, good question, uh, April. We're going on 39 years, and uh, and um, we work together, uh, and so we're both teaching about emotional intelligence. We're both coaching one-to-one -one executives and managers and organizations. Uh, Jill, Jill does something a little bit different because of her background and experience in supporting women who are leaving abusive relationships. So mm -hmm. she runs r runs groups for women uh, and teaches our women's leadership course, and and uh, and so we talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, and when we're having a disagreement or uh, uh, or an argument from what I learned from my family and still uh, at the age of 60 years old, I still shut down just like I learned in my family when I was a little kid. That's what you did. You shut down. So when I yeah, feel but sometimes in a relationship with the wife, that's the safest place, <laughs> that's the safest thing 
thing to do is you know what okay dear you won that one I it's, hear you. My it's safe, but it's 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 non-productive, April. It's it's not constructive. It doesn't contribute to a mutual relationships. Right. I, I used to think that I used to think that when when Jill said, "Where do you want to go to eat?" that I would say, "Well, wherever. Uh, it's up to you. I'm fine with whatever you choose." I didn't re I thought I was being easygoing, flexible, mm -hmm. casual, mm -hmm. laid back, but I but I wasn't contributing to the to the relationship. I was I was causing her to do all of the emotional work in the relationship and it's not fair and it's not right but that's right. what we that's what we men learn that the women will do all the emotional work in the relationship and we don't have to it's not fair and it's not right and and uh, it's it's part of um, uh, of uh, bell hooks criti criticism of of the um, uh, uh, of the patriarchy uh, is that that men are invited to the table uh, of relationships and love and and intimate connection uh, but they they have to contribute. Uh, they have to be willing to look inside. They have to be willing to look at themselves. Uh, and it's what I challenge managers with all the time. Well, we have to get rid of the, the the traditional notions of work that where you you know you come to work, you do your job. Uh, if if you don't do your job, uh, you can look for a job elsewhere. Uh, we don't realize that most people are trying to do their best. Right. Uh, it's not there. They don't screw up because they're trying to mess up the work or create. Chaos chaos or, uh, or, or uh, create a bad product, they mess up because they're poorly led. So we have, have to have managers understand that it is their role and their responsibility for employees to perform at their best. Uh, and they can do that when they understand about emotions and that employees don't perform for people who tell them what to do, order them around, uh, and don't care about them as people. We, when we describe the best leader we ever had, they cared about us as people. They challenged us to do our best. They got to know us and what was important important to us in our lives. Those are the managers that we want to work for. Those are the leaders that we don't want to leave. Those are the leaders that we do our best work for. And we simply teach managers uh, that, that uh, they can be that way. Uh, first of all, they have to choose it. Uh, right. And then they have to look at themselves. And that okay. is the hardest thing for some people. All right, so I'm going to put the mirror in my face because I'm about to lead a team. And it's you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge. This wasn't something that I wanted to take on. And I'm a doer. You know, I'm not about excuses. I come with a can-do attitude. I already know what you can't do. So let's just get that off the table. Show me what you can do. But everybody is not on board. And I'm getting a little annoyed already. I want to put myself in a leadership role to where... I, and I do value, but I strategically place each person's contribution in the right place where I have the patience and the tolerance and the flexibility. Give me some, uh, give me some, some tips and some tools because uh, they're getting on my nerves already, David. <laughs> Why are they getting on your nerves, April? What is it about the, what they do that gets on your nerves? Uh, they're wishy-washy. They don't want to commit. What do you mean by wishy-washy? Well, you know, they're, they're iffy. You know, you'll give someone a task or responsibility. They're all gung-ho uh, at the beginning. And then as you get in the throes of it, now they want to back out. Now they have excuses. Now they don't want to do this. Now I don't want to do that. And is that me? Is there an unrealistic expectation? Because everybody is not this, you know, uh, hard-charging Leo like I am. Right. And I love everybody. But tolerance. I really don't know what it is. 
number one, maybe it's because this assignment is, you know, very personal to me. Uh, and I want everybody to feel the passion and want to get it resolved in the same way that I do. But there's the expectation. I can't have expectations on other people. That's not fair to them. And it's hard on me because then I just get annoyed. Well, what, what we what we suggest and recommend and encourage managers to consider, April, is can you make the task, the the role, the job uh, as objective as possible, and then and then get people to either agree or or uh, or not agree uh, to taking it on. Uh, and uh, when it's objective, then you've got objective outcome measures that you can uh, hold them to and hold them accountable. Uh, and uh, and again, do you care how it gets done, or do you care that it gets done? Uh, and so uh, sometimes when people are able to use their creativity to uh, to accomplish the goal in a way that they see it might be the best way to get it done, um, then they're more motivated. And, um, uh, and, and there's this whole idea of intrinsic motivation, which I'm sure you know about. And when people are on board, they, then they get stuff done. And, uh, uh, and, and it's about tapping into that. And Absolutely. you have to meet people where they are. Yes. You have to meet people where they are. But when yeah. you have... 10 different personalities, you know, but if you are a leader and an effective leader, you know how to strategically place people where they feel valued. And I guess conversation is the most important thing. Asking them what level of responsibility do you want? How much do you want to engage in this particular project? Yes, I absolutely. Mean, now you're coaching employees. That's coaching, April, when you're asking the right questions and saying, so how do you want to do this? What's, what are your ideas here? Uh, coaching gets people bought in, gets people on board, uh, gets people as passionate as you about it. It's like, hey, I want to do this thing. Do you want to do it with me? Yes. Okay, so what are your ideas? How would you do this? What's, what are you, what's your best, uh, t if you're going to give me a timeline what's the timeline going to be okay so you gave me the timeline and it's not happening um this was your idea so why isn't it happening the way you told <laughs> oh, me that it was going to happen i love that i can toss that salad right back at him <laughs> well this was your idea and you said that you yes. was done but yes. with that you know you don't want to be accusatory you want to say okay would you like to change that you know are we heading in a new direction what would you like? You have to give people options, but there gets to a point, Dave, where you just got to, uh, you know, you got to hold or you got to fold. Uh, yes. And, and um, you have to give people lots of opportunities because people are human. Uh, and human beings are, as you know, April, we come with all kinds of defects. And uh, so it is about giving chances. And, and you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a three strike rule. OK, so that's two, uh, two strikes. Uh, <laughs> one more chance to, you know, uh, to come through on your uh, on your commitment to the project or to me or to the role or to whatever it happens to be. And you know what? I love people that take ownership. Yeah, that, that victim. But I'm going to, I've run into a couple of the victims. Well, you know, and the, and the excuses and it's not me. Own your stuff. Mm -hmm. If you own your stuff and say, oh, you know what? I made a mistake. I didn't meet this deadline. You know, I realize that this is really not a good fit for me. Maybe I can work with you to put someone else in that role. You have to speak up for yourself when you're ready to back out to brains. That's very, very important. Absolutely. Have you written a book on this good stuff? I have almost written a book, April. Uh, it's not done yet. You know it's what? one of those. I would love. I love your voice inflection. I would love to listen to you audibly. 
So if you don't do it with pen and paper, do it audibly because you're the, the type of voice and you know you have the passion, the fire, the flow that I could listen to you in traffic, LA traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks, April. Thanks, April. And and I've been in LA traffic, and sometimes you need someone to just calm you down. Calm in you LA down. <laughs> you can work on your emotional intelligence, you know, on your way home on the 405. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a way of love. We, we have a monthly free webinar that everyone is invited to attend and uh, and we're, we're always happy when people join us for that so uh, so yes we try to uh, we try to get the word out as much as we can uh, we uh, teach people how to do what we do so many human resource professionals coaches managers administrators uh, join us for that uh, to learn how to bring our expertise in-house and we do everything uh, we tell organizations that we're a little bit like Home Depot uh, you can do it and we can help so uh, and we'll help as much as you want uh, we'll, we'll do everything for you or you can come get our expertise and bring it back in-house and do things uh, your own way well you have done a great job of explaining encouraging motivating and clarifying what emotional intelligence is and giving us a blueprint giving us a way to uh, shape and mold and frame and reframe situations that we're in because every day is an opportunity to flourish to grow and to develop. And thank you so much for um, the sacrifice that you've had to experience with the transition of your son. Um, but what you've learned as a man, what you're pouring into your relationships and into the world. And I thank you so much, David, for being here with me and my brains. Can you tell them how to get in contact with you uh, to get more information? Most certainly. Thank you for the opportunity, April. Uh, people can simply uh, type into Google EITC, just like on the, 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 the sign behind me here, uh, EITC.ca or eitrainingcompany.com. Uh, we were one of the first companies to offer leadership development based on emotional intelligence, and we're celebrating our 25th anniversary next year. So we're very excited about that, and we have a number of different courses and programs. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, and, April. Brains, you know, you have an opportunity to grow. Nobody's trying to change you, but you can change yourself uh, and really uncover and discover the beautiful soul that you are. So thank you so much for being here on The Edge. I want you to go like, love, and share. Like, love, and share. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. April. I'll Bye for now. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.